Welcome to Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. All right, we are with you live. Come on, so good. Yes, it's always good, always good. What a week, what a week. Uh, my week's been pretty pretty crazy. Actually, I have a generator on right now, just powering my home, and so uh, I'm in my home with my my flag in the background there. And um, but I have a generator, and I've, yeah, it's been. Uh, we had snow. We don't ever get snow. It's like once every 20 years. I've been here 20 years, and we had snow a little bit, like dusting in the past, but. Uh, we had like four inches and the trees just freaked out and they all broke everywhere and they just knocked power lines down everywhere. So uh, we're cleaning up from that four days later, but uh, it's all good. Yeah. For 11 years I've been in Santa Cruz County. I think in my, at my house, it snowed three times. No, 11 years in our house. It snowed three times. This is the first time I actually woke up to snow on the ground where it actually stuck. So it was pretty cool. I, you know, it's just bizarre. Some of the great and weird things that are happening right now it just makes me th- think of that phrase the storm is upon us <laughs> yes definitely definitely well biblically the rain and the snow uh they actually symbolize repentance and cleansing and purity so i'm hoping that this is a sim- symbology uh in the weather system oh wow nice it well, does look nice. A blanket of white snow. It covers all the junk in the yard. <laughs> so well, and yeah. that I think we're. I actually think that's where we're at. Where I believe we're in the beginning of a revival, a repentance, a renewal, all, all over our nation. I mean, I think that this is we're seeing it happen in our day, and it's pretty awesome. A revolution. Yeah, revolution. Jesus revolution. A good, uh, good news. The Jesus uh, movie, Jesus Revolution movie, broke all projections this uh, this weekend. It in its um, opening, it went to close to fifteen uh, million dollars. It made so for a small production like that, that's pretty fantastic. And uh, I actually got to see it twice. I saw it once in Northern California, once in Southern California. Interesting in Northern California, <clears throat> there was like twelve people in the in the theater. Southern California, there was like packed, packed. Oh wow. So, of course, this is the home place of uh, I'm down in the home place of of the birth of the Jesus people movement. So, yeah, well, looking forward to seeing it. I have not seen it. We had plans, but the power and just all those issues. So uh, we'll see it this week. Looking forward to it because my my mother was um, had become a Christian right about 1970. And so there was a lot of that. Um, you know, we were in a church that hosted a lot of those people that were in that movie. Uh, as speakers and uh, a great legacy, you know, is created from that. And, the ch- and of course, the Calvary chapels, of course, and the vineyards, and they all, they all grew from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's another great sign along with that sign. There were some recent uh, Barner statistics that came out that uh, Sean Bowles was showing that they did a uh, interview or excuse me, they did a polling of teenagers in America all over. And uh, that you came out that 24% of American teenagers consider themselves Christians or a Christian and another 25% mm. consider are, are, are looking towards spiritual things and God and Jesus right now. That's 50% wow. of students of, of high school students, teenagers 
are looking are starting to look at you know going after God and I see that happening with my daughter and her, a lot of her friends um there's just a hunger growing hunger for God in our nation and of course the Asbury revival and the 20 colleges that are now um in revival I just I, and it's a nameless faceless revival like what was prophesied like 10 years ago that it wouldn't be about a particular ruler or a particular uh, leader or I mean, you don't even know what the president of Asbury College looks like, do you? Because he's right. not no. trying to show off himself. Yeah. For yeah. me, uh, the movie, um, and I saw it with you, Brandon, when you were taking your family, we were uh, in a, a cluster together and joined the show. Um, what what it did for me is when I think about discouragement of this generation, the... the um, uh, what is it? The Z, the Zers, <laughs> the Z generation. Uh, uh, I, I am given a lot of hope because this movie showed a generation of young people who really um, had basically gone off the deep end yep. edge of uh, drugs, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and they were going on a very, very bad path. And many of them. Uh, were affected by the G Jesus movement, and they found Jesus in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, and it impacted, I think, this nation. But I have great hope for this uh, coming generation. You know, they, yeah. they, um, they are, nobody's beyond God's reach, and uh, God's got his eye on them. He's like a drug dog in the airport. Uh, he's, he's just going after him with the Father's love, and I know that uh, this generation is going to experience their own Jesus revolution. Well, and what was the, one of the things that was said in the movie was that it was, you know, the collection of truth seekers, they made this claim multiple times, which stuck out to me. They said there's young people who were disillusioned with government and authority and organizations and structures that lie to them are seeking truth. And one of the quotes in there was they're seeking truth in all the wrong places, but they are seeking truth. And I, I just, that, you know, just resonates with me that that's where we're at right now is we have a generation of people who are disillusioned. They realize they've been lied to and they're seeking truth again. And I, you, that's their people are ripe to mm -hmm. turn to Jesus, which is all the, I was listening to some of the music I was driving down to Southern California listening to Larry Norman. Why don't you look into Jesus? He's the answer. So I see that happening right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It bring me back to my childhood. I remember those. My mother would have the albums. Eight tracks, too. So tracks in the car. Yep, absolutely. Well, speaking of truth, uh, Woody Harrelson blows up Saturday Night Live with a oh, big, a, 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 a huge uh, opening. He hosts Saturday Night Live. And in the middle of one of the war zones of information in New York City, he makes a joke that in some way it made everybody uncomfortable and he just blew it up. He said the he's all well, I was given this script about this, uh, the biggest drug cartels in the world getting together and buying up all the media and all the politicians and forcing all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes. And people could only come out if they took the drug cartels drugs. And keeping and uh, kept taking them over and over. And he's basically saying, I, I thought that's a crazy script. No one would believe that. Then he goes on and he says, I, I threw the script away. I mean, who's going to believe that the crazy idea of being forced to do drugs? Mm -hmm. I do that all day, for, uh, you know, voluntarily. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. 
that that's yeah. the beauty about Saturday Night Live. You know, humor can cut through into truth, into places that um, skepticism will come in if you try to say it with a straight face. So I love, it's like a song. It, it bypasses some of the mental. Uh, so I love that um, that he did that. And he, he kind of put it in people's faces in an area of, um, of uh, cynicism and sarcasm. Yep. Yeah, wow. and he he's definitely getting blasted for it, and uh, there's mixed re reviews. Woody Harrelson spreads anti-vax conspiracies during SNL monologue. Wo you know, Huffington Post. Woody Harrelson rambles a, a, about weed and anti-vax conspiracies, and it just blows me away that you know, the people can still use that phrase when there's like ten things that were called conspiracies that are now proven to be true. <laughs> I thought yeah. you could get away with anything on Saturday Night Live. I mean, <laughs> all of a sudden they got sensitive. Well, I used to think to myself, man, they Saturday Night Live, if they would just, if they would just, you know, lampoon the left, they'd have so much material. Yeah. And every time they do a, a skit that's about lampooning some of the left stuff, they're hilarious. But half the audience is like, oh, oh no, they're like, yeah, you, can't say, yeah, you can't say exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Oh. That's well, it. it sounded like he was brave and he did uh, what he probably set out to do, which was to uh, cause a little riffraff. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a red pill for a lot of normies. You know, I think that was perfect. I mean, that's that's really where it needs to go. Right. I mean, you don't want to just go to your echo chambers. And so he's he's literally talking to people that may not have heard that or even thought that thought. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess that that does sound like kind of what we went through. So that's a good, uh, good success story. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Hey, I was, um, I was watching the news and, uh, there's a lot of things breaking on this whole, you know, Woody Harrelson, he, he talked about COVID, but, but in the house of Rep representatives right now, the house Republicans are seeking documents, uh, to get more information about the gain of function research yep. and, um, they're really trying in the, these new committees to follow the trail of the pandemic and get some truth. And so once again, we're seeing what was a, um, a censoring conspiracy the uh, theory that would take you off any platform is now mainstream news. And um, I'm yeah. glad, I'm glad to see that they're really pursuing after the information. Well, the department of energy reporting that, you know, now that, that the Wuhan lab, that it was most likely a Wuhan lab leak. And I mean, any of us who were paying attention from the very beginning, I mean, I knew that in the, the second month when I started researching, then they, in the Department of Justice had um, arrested uh, uh, Lieberman, the uh, Harvard professor who set up the lab, and was paid by the CCP a half a million dollars to set up the Wuhan lab. And then he was also um, getting paid $50,000 a month to keep it running. So it, it just seemed logical to, to anybody who has a brain that that's probably what happened. Not that this thing, you know, a penguin kissed a, you know, a fish and then all of a sudden a bat had a coronavirus. So, you know, people, you know, it, 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 most people who were really using their brain, you know, and who are not scared to be called conspiracy theorists actually figured this out. But they, of course, the media and the social media colluded together to shut it down. Mm -hmm. Fauci and his emails. You know, we can't let people know that this is possibly where it came from. So they shut it down. 
Yeah, I've, I've got a theory. I mean, I, I do think the leak came from Wuhan, but I think as we've watched the, the situation in Ukraine with Putin and uh, talking about the biolabs and the cover-ups, uh, I honestly think that somewhere in some place like Ukraine or possibly even Ukraine, that that's where it originated. And I'm sure, you know, CIA and their black ops were able to get what they needed to because they were doing gain of, of research, gain of function research in Wuhan. And it does appear that the first few cases were there, but that could have been by intention. I mean, everything seems so orchestrated. Did you see that the same day the Pentagon officially admitted that there were some funding of the research labs in Ukraine? It's when the WHO reversed their uh, stance that maybe the China lab did leak the virus and they wanted to, they were the ones The WHO began calling for a, a greater investigation to, to occur. So, it, you know, when WHO is pointing a direction, I want to look somewhere else. Yeah. So I do believe that that's where the leak came from, but I don't think that's that the Chinese originated. I think the Americans originated it with American money and they did biolab research somewhere else. Yeah. That's yeah. highly possible. I agree. I agree. So, you know, especially if they're saying, look in China now where they were fighting it before. I remember Mike Pompeo actually saying that a long time ago, that it looked like a lab leak. And that was a couple of years ago, uh, early on. And uh, while uh, President Trump was still in office, he was saying that. So, yeah. Well, we'll have to just see what happens. More investigations. Yep. So well, what, what else do we have on here? Well, I think Seymour Hirsch, you know, one of the most decorated investigative journalists of all time coming out again. I mean, I, we got to keep saying this. He came out and said that it's, it's definitively proven that the U.S. blew up the pipeline. And then, of course, we know that the resident in chief said we're going to we're going to take care of it, you know, the pipeline. So, it, you know, and then, of course, all of the media blocked all that. And mm -hmm. and now it's you know, it's pretty clear that that's true. So now there's going to be a huge investigation of that. So that's a big deal. Yeah, that is definitely a big deal. You know, it's interesting because uh, Putin in his speech, he had mentioned Seymour Hearst by name as well. Um, I had watched that several times just trying to get different translations. You know, a lot of other countries will cover it. So it's like France. Mm -hmm. So you have a French person that has to, to understand Russian and English, you know, yeah. and then India, the same thing. And, and so there's a little bit, a uh, little bit difference in some things. But I did get a little clip that I really... Um, enjoyed some of the things that uh, Putin had covered. I, I was just shocked to hear it, but it totally made sense. And a lot of the stuff he was talking about um, was stuff that we've been talking about, about the deep state, you know, so he just real quick on his, on his speech, you know, he, he starts talking about Ukraine and how the U S and NATO involvement and, and they, they, as a result of this war, they've suspended their participation in the new SMART treaty or START treaty. Uh, the START treaty was about nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. And basically Putin's saying, why would we suspend our treaty on nuclear weapons and have the U.S. come in and inspect our nuclear facilities while they are at the same time making war against us? And that would just be a total thing to their disadvantage. I mean, why would you give your, quote, enemy... Uh, you know, all, all that information, especially if you're at war with them. And there's no there's no secret. You know, he talked about how the U.S. has spent one hundred and fifty billion dollars on uh, Ukraine on the war 
so far. I mean, that's more, I think all of NATO has spent 60 billion on helping poor countries and things like that. And yet the U.S. has spent 150 billion just on the war. And so, so he kind of goes, he starts off talking about that. And then he kind of goes through the history that, the, you know, that there was four regions that had um, accepted uh, coming into Russia. And so he says, that's article one of the UN, which is it's an unalienable right for people to have self-determination of themselves mm -hmm. and to pick where they are. So he says that, so that's not violating even the UN. And he says, you know, those, those Ukrainians, they fought against the neo-Nazi uh, coup, uh, coup d'etat in 2014, which we covered with our show with uh, Igor uh, Leponik, um, Ukraine on Fire. We've mentioned it uh, a lot. Yep. But they fought to preserve their language, their traditions, wow. their faith, and their culture. And he says, you know, Kiev should – they should respect these people for their uh, decisions. And, you know, uh, the interesting thing is, is the U.S. always talks about we are – giving freedom and democracy to people around the world, but it's only freedom and democracy as long as you agree with them. And the minute you have something different, like a uh, different culture um, or different traditions, things like that, or you want to be really independent, then um, we as the U.S. or as the West are aggressive against those types of states yep. and countries. True. And so it was really interesting. And he just went down to basically that the uh, the West is into desovereignization of countries. Mm -hmm. He want they want them all dependent on a global, a global entity. And that's kind of what we see through big, uh, big tech, big mm -hmm. businesses, international uh, conglomerates, where you can't do anything unless you're involved with the 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 Western central banking system, and you become a dependent. And controlled, literally. And so you really are s giving up your sovereignties, he's saying. And he says, you know, in, in the West, they've broken their promise over and over. He says, you know, um, even with the NATO, you know, not moving east, he says they've broken that agreement. And they, they first started doing that with short range and long range missiles so they can get the missiles close enough to where they're kind of like almost on the border because mm -hmm. the missiles can go farther and essentially was starting to encroach upon Russian territory. So, you know, he started talking about that. And he said he, he couldn't tell any difference between a Western colonialism and elite colonialism, you know, and he goes through the history. Actually, this was an older speech, which was very similar. He just talked about how the U.S. killed their, their Indians, you know, and we took advantage of Africa and India, and we went with Britain and France against China, and we set up opium trades, and he just went down this whole thing. Mm -hmm. That wasn't in the last speech, but uh, a lot of these speeches are very, very similar. It was within a couple months, you know, and he talked about Vietnam and Korea, you know, wow. carpet bombing and all that stuff. And, and then when we're done, we literally set up bases there and we have bases all throughout. And NATO has bases all throughout the whole entire world. And he says, you know, we're not doing that. We're not the ones that used a Russian or a, a nuclear bomb on people. Uh -huh. And so he just went down. Anyway, those were kind of the things I got out of the speeches that he has been making lately. But I had this two-minute clip, and then I, I'll give the floor back. So let me just uh, put this back on here, and um, I will play that. Let me, let me play that. Basically, I have to read it. And he says, a lie constantly perverts historical facts, nonstop attacks on our culture the Russian Orthodox Church, the other traditional religious organizations of our country. 
to see what they do with their own peoples, the destruction of the family, cultural, national identity. And he goes on, perversion, mockery of children, and pedophilia are declared the norm. The norm of their life. The priests are forced to bless same-sex marriages. Hmm. He says, God with them, let them do what they want. What do I want here? Adults have the right to live as they want. We have always thought like this in Russia, and we always will. No one will invade private life. We are not going to do this. I thought that was interesting. Hmm. But I want to tell them, look at the Holy Scriptures, the main books of all other world religions. Uh, everything is said there. So, I mean, what a contrast just going to that. But I, this is including the family is a union of a man and a woman. Wow. And these people are clapping, you know, yeah. and you've got a religious person there, uh, you know, the, the, the Orthodox, Russian Orthodox. Mm -hmm. But these sacred texts are now in doubt. He, he goes on. He says, wow. it has become known the Anglican Church, for example, plans to consider the idea of a gender-neutral God. Wow. Just said, what can I say? He says, forgive us, Lord. They do not know what they do. Wow. You know, I mean. Lord it, Jesus. Yes, he did for Jesus. He says, millions Chris of people in the West understand what they are, that they're leading to a real spiritual disaster. The elites directly, I must say, go crazy. And it seems that they can do no longer be treated. But these are the problems. As I said, we must protect our children. And we will do this, protect our children from degradation and degeneration. So, yeah. Wow. So I, I would say wow. that there definitely was a uh, just important thing he was saying. Chris, mm -hmm. you heard that speech. You said something early on about just how you felt about even Americans in the West right now hearing that. Yeah. And we'll put the transcript of this speech uh, and some links on our, our website in the show notes. But you know, I had a pit in my stomach because uh, I came from a military family and from um, a very patriotic family. And um, my my parents and my uh, grandparents served in the armed forces and were, we lived in Washington, D.C. for quite a long time. And I've always been proud to be an American. But when Amen. I... Um, read, I was reading the transcript. There was a pit in my stomach. I was, um, I was ashamed of the leadership, not to, for me to be an American, but that the, the misrepresentation in our leadership at this time that does not reflect the American people. And right. he, he said in the speech, he said, I know um, one of the things he said uh, was that many of the Americans are not represented by what is currently this um, the leadership of this elite regime. And, and he talked about, he reminded people why they went into um, Ukraine. And he said, I am not calling this a war. I will not call this a war. But this, this entire thing, a year ago, he said, to protect the people uh, in our historical lands and to ensure the security of our country and to eliminate the threat coming from neo-Nazi regimes that have taken hold of Ukraine. This is what this special military operation has been about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I just thought um, he was, he went on to say, 
time and time again, we we chose peace. We tried to negotiate with um, with the West and with Ukraine about what was going on in the, the southeastern provinces with the people. And he said, finally, the genocide and the threats and the bio labs and the um, where the uh, military buildup was. He said, at some point, you have to make a move. But he said, I did it knowing very well that we need to to cover this as with colossal responsibility were the terms that the translator used um, because this is a watershed period. And so, you know, it, it really is, we need to watch what's going on in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know, but we just sent them another, we're getting ready to send them another hundred um, million, I think it is in uh uh, weaponry, and we've already outgiven them for relief. You know, uh, I wish I knew where relief relief is. Where know, it's going? Go to the right place. Where any of it's going? Yeah, but I mean, there's, we, don't, there's your- we don't know where it goes, but we've given Ukraine in one year more relief than the whole time we were in Afghanistan. Wow. Well, and, and some people look at this speech and, uh, you know, let's be honest what some people are going to say, oh, well, you guys are airing a speech of P- Putin and you guys, it's propaganda. I'm like, wait a second. It's him saying why he believes they went in. We need to listen to this so we can actually negotiate peace. You have to listen to the other side. Now, maybe some of what he said is true. Maybe it is partially propaganda. I mean, all propaganda is, is, is. Uh, you know, rhetoric that has an agenda. Well, okay. And it's usually truth mixed with lies. Okay. But I don't know about you, but if you just listen to what he said and what you re- read, Ron, those were a whole lot of truth. There may be some lies in there, but it was a whole lot of truth too. And, oh, it, yeah. it, you know, if, if we're going to, you know, down them, you, we got to acknowledge the things they're saying that are true. And then you can actually attack the parts that are lies, not just throw it all out and say, I'm not even going to listen to the person. I'm not going to negotiate peace. And, and that's the question I keep hearing from people is where is the statesman? Where are the statesmen who negotiate peace? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Trump came along and said, hey, I, we, I could end that war in, in one day, you know, <laughs> 24 you know, hours, 24 hours. So <laughs> and, in reality, hours. we all know. Trump didn't start any new wars. He went and met with North Korea. They said, oh, he's warming up to North Korea. Well, he's warming up to Putin. No, he's negotiating peace. He's stopping a world war. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you just got to take a step back and, and use a little logic. I mean, even the whole thing on the Nord Stream uh, 2 pipeline, you know, all of a sudden it mysteriously blows up. And then what what is our response? Ours meaning what's the Biden administration's response? Oh, Russia blew it up. Why would Russia blow up their own pipeline that they make money at? All they have to do is turn the nozzle off at their end, and yep. then they could turn it on whenever they want. Obviously, that was a very valuable pipeline for them to build in the first place. You think they just decided, oh, that's not valuable at all. Let's blow it up. Yeah, It just makes no sense. And the fact that, like you had said earlier in the show, you know, uh, Biden had mentioned before, uh, hey, well, t- we'll do something to where they can't use it anymore. Mm-hmm. Nordstrom too. Mm-hmm. And then after it happened just recently, uh, what was it last week? He had said, Hey, we, uh, you know, we, we took it out. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, it's very clear. If you hear it, he didn't say we blew it up. He just said, uh, you know, we gathered our resources and went in and, and made it not happen. Right. Well, and no. Seymour Hersh said that, well, with cooperation from, I think Belgium, Norway. Norway, 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 excuse me. Sorry, Belgium. 
uh, with Norway that 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 it was blown up and by the U.S. Navy. And so and that's 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 now an investigation that needs to go on. And this is the thing. It's like, you know, over and over again, you know, the source said, hey, you can't tell people what's been going on all this time. You've mm -hmm. got to show them. And I really do think that these these little releases here and here and there, I think, you know, some people say, oh, they're just trickling the releases. You know, they're releasing this information, this truth and little trickles so that people don't get up in arms. Well, it, it, people have been brainwashed over the course of 50 years. You can't wake them up all of a sudden. You've got to slowly show them that all the things the media has been saying, the, the, the military industrial complex, the cabal, that it does exist and that they've been lying and look at all their lies that are now proven true. And I, that's the thing that I hope American people, and I really do believe and have faith in the American people in America, and, and have faith in Californians, that there is enough of them that really do want truth and believe truth and are really truth seekers who will say, hmm, this doesn't smell right. This doesn't seem right, you know, and that's what we're hoping for in waking up the bear. So Yeah. You know, I was listening to John Mark Dugan earlier this week. Uh, he was another guest that we had that uh, he was that sheriff, uh, Marine who had to escape for his life when he exposed fraud and he wound up living in Russia. Yeah. And so I was just curious what he had. And he had actually, and I don't have it vetted out, but he did receive a letter from somebody on the boat uh, when they were doing these exercises uh, in in the uh, the ocean there, mm -hmm. where the pipeline was, and uh, he said there was a group of men that came on that um, were dressed a little bit different. They didn't have military haircuts. They met with some high officials. They got on a smaller boat, left, and and they had um, oh the equipment they had was was not what they were saying they were looking for. They, they had equipment to do x-rays or something of, of the pipeline or something like that. And really what they had was different kind of equipment. He said, you know, that's what it looked like. Um, and, and then they came back and they didn't talk to anybody else. People were asking them and they just were very mm -hmm. to themselves. And then they got a helicopter and flew off the ship. So they Mission accomplished. Yep, they were in and out in less than a day, mm -hmm. and they were a tight group, and they weren't dressed very military. You know, they had long hair and things like that. It was just really interesting. Um, and and then that's what happened. Boom. So. Well, and did you see the video clip? I think I, I think I saw it on and we know of um, a woman who took video. I think it was also in East Palestine or another state in our country where there were guys dressed in uh, normal workers, and they were cutting the train tracks. They're out there with a big saw cutting train tracks. And wow, the person posted that I've lived here my whole life. I moved away and came back since like the 1980s. And I've never seen them out cutting train tracks, you know, so that probably potentially preparing for another sabotage. So mm -hmm. I just think that there are, you know, evil black hats in the United States government and in our government organizations that are that have an agenda that's very different than the agenda of we the people. And that's what we got to keep praying that mm -hmm. that um, those people would be exposed. I think there was something big that just happened this week where I think what, five people um, died in a plane crash, and uh, they they were on their way to investigate um, the the Ohio uh, disaster, and they died in a plane crash outside Clinton Airport. Um, they were working for an environmental conf you know consulting yeah. firm. And they were on their way to East Palestine, so. There's a, you know, there's no coincidences. I mean, yes, once in a while, there's something that happens that seems like a coincidence, but that just seems like too big of a story to be yeah. just a coincidence.
Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, that's a, that's too bad. That's a terrible loss. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you might be able to find, even with all that destruction, you might be able to find if, if the tracks were indeed cut, you would see, Hey, they're cut, you know, because at the end of every railroad tie, there's two or three bolt holes, right? That's how you bolt them together. So if you have, if you have railroad ties that have a cut end, you're not going to have bolt holes near it. So it's not impossible to prove if that's the case, you know, you say, Hey, yeah, and, and there, there aren't that many places that um, a train could dump all of its toxic chemicals into the storm drain. They had, that was a, a very focal um, location. Wow. And I mean, had it gone off anywhere else, it would have gone into the soil. It would have been contained, but no, as it, were boom right into the storm drain wow. so it would go down the ohio river and down towards the mississippi and well we'll see well, we'll yeah see. i just yeah. we just pray that that god will uh, reveal the plans of the enemy and they'll be exposed and those people will be captured i mean i think what was the one you said something chris about the air force just revealing that they they um relieve some leaders Yes, they, they're, it just came out a few hours ago that the Air Force relieved six leaders of command assignments in a North Dakota nuclear missile and bomber base. Wow. And uh, I mean, it was startling. They went in, they ex extricated these guys out, and all that was said was they were removed because there was a loss of confidence in their ability to complete their duties. But it felt, I read the article and it felt like there was more underneath that than just would they push the button if they needed to push the, you know, if we got the nuclear code and would they do it? I don't think it was like they were more like conscientious objector kind of people. I right. think there, there was a question about their national allegiance. Wow. That or they re wear red hats on the weekend, you know? Mm -hmm. Or pink ones with the the sickle and hammer. Yeah, I'm thinking red and make America great. Uh, no, maybe that. I mean, it's definitely, there's definitely a war going on. We're, we're in the middle of the storm for sure. Um, yeah. There are some good things that are happening, though. I don't know if you guys have monitored Joe Rogan lately. Um, he's had multiple people on his uh, show who are ex-atheist people that are christian he had matthew mcconaughey on he was asking him questions about how it, how is it that you can be a christian and be in hollywood and or don't you get a lot of pushback and matthew mcconaughey was saying no and i have, I have a lot of good friends but you know when i get up there and give god glory and i start you know the the, the, the I, people that i personally have prayed with start like look around before they clap and then they don't clap so uh, matthew mcconaughey was acknowledging you know there's a there's definitely a a push in culture in Hollywood to be anti, anti God and anti Jesus and anti Christian. And then there's this one ex atheist that was on uh, Rogan's show and he was um, talking about, you know, the, he, he was a conspiracy theorist for 50 years. He looked into JFK and the world trade center and all of the conspiracies. And he said, then he finally looked into the conspiracy of God and he's been completely convinced that there really is a God, that Jesus is the son of God. And Joe Rogan was like blown away. And he's like, what really? He's like, how, you know, how do you know he's the son of God? And he drilled him. But what, what I've noticed in Joe Rogan podcast lately is one, he said that he definitely believes that the collective consciousness of people thinking good thoughts in a certain direction have power and he calls it prayer. And he also says that he believes that there is a God. How can there not be? So he has moved from his 
former self, which was anti-supernaturalist in all regard and super um, caustic towards Christianity to now kind of moving a foot into, uh, you know, into mm-hmm. a supernatural worldview that opens the door for him to actually explore the claims of Christ. So that's some good news, right? We got to highlight some of the good news. Yeah. Right now. That's perfect too, because he, his audience is not, you know, a lot of times we're in our echo chambers and he has an audience that mm-hmm. needs to hear, needs to be red pilled. And so he is actually taking the journey for them and with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, to, to have somebody that already has, hey, I have a strong, you know, belief in Christ and, and all that. People have a wall that goes up. But when you have somebody that's saying, hey, I'm an atheist. I doubt these things. I don't believe. They're like, oh, we can re- relate to you. And all of a sudden he starts to make the journey forward towards Christ. That is just I mean, that's priceless. Um, so I, that's a, I would say that's a huge win. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. That's, that's good news. Definitely good news. More people are waking up and that's what we, uh, that's what we want. I mean, yeah, I think it's a lesson for us to, to get out of our own echo chamber and not to be afraid to engage people with powerful questions and, and not to make it our goal that they have to agree with us. Right. You know, if you can just befriend someone and listen and, and decide, you know, are, are you able to, where are you able to come together and then allow them to, um, to invite them into the process of how did you get there? Because that's, you know, I don't feel like that's where I am, but I'd like to know how you got there. And, and really that's the best way to red pill anyone is nobody wants to be told they're wrong and right. get labeled and they're jerks and they're, you know, trying to destroy the world. Uh, most people that um, are are not convinced that there's anything going on, it's because there's they're really afraid. Because if they cross that that crevice, you know, they go against they go the, through the chasm. If that thing that you're asking them to admit is wrong, mm. what else might be wrong? And right. I mean, the the precipice is stinking deep and dark. It is evil what is going on in um, America and in the world with the global cabal and with the Luciferian structures. It is, um, it's beyond anything that most people could even wrap their heads around because most people are really fairly nice people. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is people have been shamed into silence uh, people don't really can't really believe people could be that evil and then they don't really want to think about it and they don't want to go down the rabbit hole because man once they start yeah. down the rabbit hole then oh no what if there's lots of other things that i deeply held and believed to be true that are not true like you know weapons mm-hmm. of mass destruction in iraq like uh, jfk's assassination what about the you know you know the bombing of the twin towers you know there's you know people aren't they're too afraid to even go like like look at the other side. One of the things that I you know really liked um, about the uh, some of the Christian music that came out in the seventies is they said things like you know, with one hand reach out to Jesus and another hand bring a friend. And and if you're a doubter, don't go yet. Like stay long enough to like really investigate what's going on. What what uh, investigate this Jesus? And I really I think that's the place where we need to get people to be is like, hey, listen, don't run just because what you think you believe might be challenged, you know, what you think you, what you believe might be challenged because it's okay. Like God is good. He's going to walk you through this time of being challenged in your beliefs. And, and, and I think that's a place of, of, of genuine, 
you know, faith and seeking God that that's, and I think there's a, you know, God will show up. And so I, I'm just so excited to see people, a lot of people turning to truth, a lot of people turning to Jesus. We're in a season right now where patriots are becoming Christians and Christians mm-hmm. are becoming patriots. And you've heard me say that over and over again, but I really believe that's what's happening. And, and even all of the indoctrination that has been going on in our schools and that have been going on in our media and our, it's like, it, it's becoming clear that's indoctrination. Yeah. And the reality is, is, a massive revival will wake people up from the indoctrination. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible says the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. They can't see the light of the gospel. Well, once the God of this world is all about blinding the eyes of people, you know, and when they start to believe that if they start really, truly seeking the truth and you're willing to, to look and investigate, you know, counter narratives mm-hmm. and to find and, and weigh the evidence, you're going to find out that there is a truth. His name is Jesus. And there's a lot of things you believe. <laughs> You a lot of things you believe that are not true, and it's a scary place to be. But don't be scared. Like step step into it. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's so good. That's what repentance is, isn't it? It's it's as simple as repentance means. It, it's a mind change that leads to a heart and action change. But it's to change your mind. And there's nothing shameful about not knowing or misunderstanding or being wrong. I mean, if you're on the wrong road, it's the old, the old funny story that you're going down the wrong road and, and you make a wrong turn, but you're too stubborn to admit that you made the wrong turn. So you just keep driving further and further and further away from your destination. And so when, when we figure out uh, and we could lead, I think as believers, we need to lead when we've gotten something wrong. We need to be the first to uh, yeah. to repent, to yep. cheerfully say, you know, I thought it was this way, but I was wrong. You know, the more I investigate, I'm finding out it's this way because most of what, you know, what most of what I've learned in the last three or four years has even shifted. The narrative is shifting and we're learning who are trustworthy in the um, the uh, social media platforms and who are the citizen journalists that really seem to understand. There are a lot of voices out there that say they have inside scoops that are trying on purpose to deceive people. So just be willing to repent. That's yeah. that's the bottom line. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So what else do we have? About 15, a little more than 15 minutes. What um, what other news items do we have? Uh, I got a big news item. There was a medical um, provider exposes the Department of Justice and the and Big Pharma collusion in creating the vaccines. And in a court case, Pfizer asks the judge to dismiss it because they did not defraud the people. They just delivered the fraud that the U.S. government asked them for. <laughs> Uh, oh man watch this i shouldn't go to jail for shooting that person because uh someone told me to do it yes well this is sasha um just check her out for a second she she works on um pharmaceutical practices of manufacturing and the uh, not just practices but um you know basically the concept is is that if when you are um creating a product, a mass production of a product, you, it, the things have to be the same every time you create it. So let's check this out real quick. I want you to um, see what she says here. Her name is Sasha. Can you read that? Like Sasha Latipova, 25 years pharmaceutical clinical trial researcher. What she says here. As we wait with anticipation. 
Well, what did she say other than? All right, can you hear me there? I can hear yeah. you. I can hear you. Yeah, she. I, I picked the wrong screen. Hold on, I'll do it real quick. That was a still, <laughs> wasn't it? Didn't have a the same. Didn't have a play it, button. Uh, just for you to understand what good manufacturing practice means in practice, it applies to drugs and it applies to food and other mass-produced products that are consumed. And uh, for example, if you're uh, buying your favorite beer today, and then you go to the to, to buy it again um, a week from now or a month from now, your experience is the same. It shouldn't be a thousand times different experience. The same goes for you know, the medicines like aspirin that you buy in the pharmacy. And um, again, you don't expect it to be a thousand times different uh, a week from now versus today. That's why everywhere in the developed world, most of the world, we have what's called good manufacturing practices. And as a highly regulated industry, pharmaceutical manufacturers are supposed to comply with them. And this means that the product that they claim that they make, with the ingredients that they claim that they make, is supposed to be in every vial, every shot, um, every pill, uh, over and over and over again. And they should be almost almost um, identical to each other. So that was my first... So she basically goes in and talks about how this is this is not, you know, that's not how they are. And, when, and then if you look at the batches, the lots that there were lots that killed people and there were lots that didn't. And then she shows how like on a graph, how like there's this red line where people that died of, 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 of vaccines and, you know, are about this much over the course of like 30 years. And then just in the last two years from these vaccines, the line goes way up and it's like, thousands and thousands and thousands of people dying mm -hmm. so yeah they're not following the ray Kroc model from mcdonald's you know it, it says if you have a burger in california it should taste the same in new york or tokyo you know and there's a there's processes and uh, that's what built uh his empire was it, mm -hmm. people knew what they were getting when they went there it was going to be very consistent no matter where you were and that's the same thing for yeah the pharmaceuticals that she's saying so and they yeah. didn't follow it so yeah, and her, people should watch her whole video. I watched it um, two different times, but the part about the Department of Defense actually being the ones that committed the fraud and, and invited Pfizer to give them a fraudulent product, and therefore that's their argument for why they shouldn't be prosecuted. It's just completely asinine. <laughs> well, there's plenty of room in the in the paddy wagon, so throw them all in. And who did she represent? Um, well, she became an independent researcher. She said, I'm no longer representing anybody, but she had been doing 25 years in research and making sure that that products were fulfilling the the what, doing what they said they would do. The manufacturer product, you know, manufacturing status, you know. So, well, we'll definitely have that link on our show notes because I, I'd like to watch it. I know that. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, hey, I wanted to share what I thought was the strangest news story this week, and I have no idea what is true, but there's a rumor that Senator John Fetterman is on life support Whoa. from, um, I think he's in Walter Reed Hospital where he went two weeks ago. Do you remember when he was hospitalized yeah. for depression? Well, he has not been seen uh, publicly since then, and um, the John Cardillo, who used to work for Newsmax, and uh, he's pretty reliable. He had a few um, controversial 
uh, statements about his career, but he he's fairly well known when he was working for Newsmax. He uh, was able. Someone contacted him from the from the hospital. He said it was a tweet, um, and he was the original source that I could find. And that they said that um, he was uh, John Fetterman is essentially brain dead. He's on life support and uh, that it's being hidden right now. And then they were speculating that if they could keep him as a senator till August uh, 18th, then they wouldn't have to do a, a special election. And so I don't know whether this is true or not, but what I do know is that it's um, 5149 in the Senate. And if you go down, you know, it, the, the Dems are uh, leading in the, um, the, the Senate. And there was a reason that they, they pressed John Fetterman to stay in that Senate race. And so, again, I believe he was um, he was one who was selected. I mean, if you look at his gear just to have a conversation, he uh, he cannot understand someone um, as in their speech. That's even three feet away, even in small talk. He has to read something on a monitor to understand what's being said. So you can't actually have a conversation. So it's not even clear whether or not uh, he is the one that is um, in, you know, who's, what is he reading? And are there people behind the scenes that are staffers that are typing into his electronics? He has AI as part of it, but this whole depression, you know, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him live. I, yeah, I want to see him, um, you know, be, he's a father of um, four or five uh, children. And I'd love to, you know, I want to see him live through his time in the Senate. But uh, it, something isn't quite adding up with this whole John Fetterman story. So the people, uh, the voters of Pennsylvania, they're kind of up in arms right now saying, we want to see him alive and we want to see a video or have uh, a live a live um, broadcast of him. So we at least know that he is around and that this isn't a big cover up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah different. Fiction, <laughs> That's uh, strange, isn't it? Truth is stranger than fiction, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. Well, um, here's some good news. Uh, McCarthy gave Tucker Carlson the uh, the J6 yes. surveillance video. That's a big kerfuffle, and the, um, the left the left is their heads are exploding. Um, yeah, I, I I just hope it's more than just Tucker. I hope that there's other independent journalists who have great veracity, who are you know who have great integrity, are actually getting this material because you're going to need a lot more people than one net news network to oversee it. And that's the problem we've had in the past. So, and I, as much as I love uh, Tucker in so many ways, still, it's like, it's, you're just going to get better. You're just going to get better mm-hmm. coverage if you have multiple people researching. And apparently it's, you know, 40,000 hours or something like that. It's a ridiculous amount of footage. So you're going to need people to help you go through it and find out what's relevant and what is not. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I saw one uh, or heard about one where, Nancy Pelosi's daughter was filming her, you know, at the J6, but someone was filming her daughter filming her. So it kind of gives a better context of, you know, 
hey, stand over here, you know, if it's if it's that kind right. of setup rather than something that was candid. And so, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing all that will be produced. But I had read that it'll start with Tucker, but it will eventually go to the others. And I don't think it's based off of, oh, let's all use Tucker's clips like like we use, you know. Um, I think they'll get it independently as well. It, they, I think they're just giving it to him first. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. now all the networks want to have a piece of it before they were saying, <laughs> no, no, we don't want to see anything. Don't show anything. Nothing to see here. And now all the major networks are going, well, we want to be able to see this stuff too. Yeah, yeah everybody wants to be part of the party. <laughs> well, we got a few minutes left. What else? Uh, what else? Are the major key things that need to be covered. I mean, you've got Carrie Lake filing her case in Arizona Supreme Court. You got the House Oversight Committee accusing the Treasury Department of obstructing investigation. There's like so many, so much to cover right now. Yeah, actually, the Carrie Lake thing. I, I, I'd be interested in hearing more about that. I know that uh, Chris had listened to Prank Medic. Uh, he had uh, something on that, and it seemed like it hit you pretty hard. I'm going to listen yeah. to it tonight. Yeah, he w he had an interview with a man who um, was doing a dive into the corruption in the Arizona, uh, not just the court system, but the election process, all the government officials. And it uh, he had some strong cases about how deep the money laundering, how, how the entrenchment in the cartels um, and in the crime that so many of these leaders in Arizona uh, are. And he basically said there is not really a chance to get a fair case in Arizona because there is such a tight stranglehold on the court system and on the government and uh, that there are um, he had investigated properties that had been purchased with the the money laundering and um, it was, he had signatures and uh, he had experts being able to compare some things. But after listening to him, I thought, wow, he really knows his stuff. But it, it was, uh, it took my breath away because it was sickening how deep the corruption was because it's not just Arizona, but he talked about his life has been threatened quite a few times. He's had a five-year-old that was taken away. He's been threatened um, to have that child, um, you know, harmed that he'd never see that child again. And he's still going after. It's a dark, dark, stinking swamp. And mm -hmm. he knows that, uh, you know, he's part of a system that's going to expose it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's... Uh... We'll put the notes on our show notes, uh, links to that, that interview. So we'll get that up. But yeah, well, where there is darkness, there is light. You know, yeah. we started this, uh, this podcast off with the Jesus revolution. Um, you know, and I, I believe that there is hope and, you know, as people wake up, they start waking up to God, um, you know, what happens is you say, I can no longer participate in that. I can't, you know, a lot of people are fearful for their jobs. So they look the other way or they just play along to get along. But there comes a point where people say, you know, I just can't do that. That's not what God would want me to do. And when people start opening their eyes and seeing God, he, God's going to move on their heart. The Holy Spirit's going to lead people to say, you know, this isn't a comfortable path, but I think I need to take it because it's the right thing to do. 
or I need to investigate this. I, I need to stop binge watching this or that. I need to really actually spend a little time investigating things that matter that affect my children. Mm. You know, I mean, it was an eye opener for me just watching uh, uh, Putin's speech, you know, Vladimir Putin's speech about protecting their kids from our way of life, you know, and when I say our, it's, it's, it's the minority in this country that seems to have the media, but it's like, wow, even, even people that you thought were the boogeyman are saying things that are right in alignment with what we've been seeing ourselves, but there is a good thing and that's God and God is in control. And, and that's how you wake people up. Just as we had read in the scriptures over and over Israel, you know, became slaves or things were at the brink of destruction and they'd look up and go, God, help us, help us. And he's like, oh, I got your attention now. And God doesn't make these things happen. These are the natural mm -hmm. consequences for poor decisions and yeah. poor choices that we make. God never says, I'll just make you, in, you know, he's just like, okay, I'm going to stop protecting and I'm going to let you get what you justly deserve because you did that. And we're poking at a big bear, a different bear than California. Right now we're poking at a Russian bear and that that could be a very near death experience. I believe it won't be a full death. I think it'll be a near death and it will scare a lot of people into waking them up because they're serious. I mean, they just suspended that treaty. And so that's how God wakes us up. And that 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 shows me we're on the right path. Yeah. A path for revival. Yeah. You know, at the beginning, um, before we started the show, uh, I asked uh asked Brandon what was one of his favorite scenes. And he he talked about the baptism of the character that was played, um, playing Greg Laurie. And would you share a little bit about what you said, Brandon? Oh yeah. There was just a really powerful moment where um, the baptism scenes, the baptism scenes, if you watch them, they blow your mind. All my friends were saying that it was emotionally, almost emotionally exhausting watching the movie because it was so good. It was so powerful. And so um, just like you were so engaged. Uh, most of my friends, they cried multiple times. But the baptism scene with Greg Laurie, um, he finally is out there with Lonnie Frisbee, um, the, you know, the actor that plays Lonnie Frisbee. And he's there and he says, you know, have you decided? Which is a conversation they had had before. And he says, well, I don't know. He says, do you want to decide right now? <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah. And then he leads him to prayer and uh, confessions of his sin and, you know, receiving Jesus as Lord, um, turning his life over to follow Christ. And then he baptizes him in the water. And it's just powerful. It's like this really powerful scene where he just, you can sense that the old self died and the new life began. And uh, this truth seeker who was seeking drugs and all the things in all the wrong places, looking for the right things, but all the wrong places had found Christ. And I really believe that we're in a season right now where there's many people out here that are lit watching this show that you're at a place, you're at a crossroads and it's time to decide. And I just want to encourage you to choose Jesus. He is the answer to every problem you're facing. He's good. He loves you. He's for you. And uh, glad you did. So, yeah, it's, that's part of waking the bear. Waking up California is waking us up to who Jesus is. Amen. <laughs> that's right. All right. God bless you all. Yes. Another good night. On a good note, see Jesus' revolution this week. Go out and see it. Yeah. Take a friend. Yes. All right. All right. God bless you all. This has been bless. Wake the Bear Radio on KSCO, 1080 on your AM dial. Oh.